Applications for the Techstars Tech Central Sydney Accelerator Class of 2024 are closing on the 22nd of May. I'm Kirsten Hunter, the Managing Director of Techstars Sydney, and I'm looking for diverse and unstoppable founders who are using technology to solve the world's biggest problems to join this Accelerator cohort. The 12 successful businesses will get access to our 13-week mentor-driven accelerator, $120,000 US investment, and access to the Techstars network for life. Head to our Accelerator webpage to learn more and to apply. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer, founder of the Day One Network, which is bringing the history of the Australian startup ecosystem to you. I believe in founders. It's why I do everything I do at Day One and our media company, W2D1 Media. And that's why the Day One Network exists, to create helpful content for founders. We've got some great shows in development, but a large part of what we do couldn't be done without support from our partners and sponsors. And I couldn't be happier than to be working with NTP, who get community better than any other technology recruitment company out there. A Newcastle company like mine, NTP, are invested in seeing the growth of the local tech community in Newcastle, Sydney, and more broadly, Australia. So thank you, NTP, for helping us bring helpful content to founders and the startup community in Australia. Back to the interview. Hi, I'm Adam Spencer and welcome to Day One, the podcast that spotlights Australian startups, founders, and the organizations that empower Australian entrepreneurship. We go back to the beginning to tell the story of Australia's most inspiring founders and how they built their companies. You're listening to a special interview series as part of a documentary W2D1 is producing about the history of the Australian startup ecosystem. This episode was conducted by guest host Will Cho. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Australian Startup Series interviews. Our guest today is Rohit Bargava. Just a quick note that an audio issue means my side of this conversation sounds a little different than usual. Welcome to the show, Rohit. Uh, thanks, Will, and uh, great to be here. Start us off, could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you're currently working on? Sure. Uh, so a little bit of a background on me, a former founder. So I ran a, a previous company called Stage Label, which is a crowdfunding for fashion platform. Uh, and ever since then, I've been sort of closely connected into the ecosystem, had a couple of different roles, uh, both the start of Victoria and more recently with AWS on their startup team. Uh, but I've since left that to go full time on the podcast, uh, which I've been running for the last six years or so, called the Startup Playbook Podcast, uh, and also spending more time investing into companies. There's a lot of things that I'd love to dig in a little bit later in our episode. Um, but to start us off, I'd like to take the audience right back to the beginning. Rohit, would you say that you've always been an entrepreneur? Take us back to even university days. Yeah, so I guess, I mean, even going before that, uh, before university, I, uh, if I'm being honest, you know, prior to startups, what I actually really wanted to do was play sports professionally. And, you know, injuries and probably a lack of talent uh, stopped that career from going forward, which I'm probably thankful for in terms of the way that it played out. But, uh, you know, growing up, uh, especially coming from an Indian background, entrepreneurship wasn't really something that we discussed at home, definitely wasn't a career path that, you know, we either discussed or was even in the realms of kind of thinking that's, you know, what I would uh, spend my life doing. And it probably wasn't until university where I took part in a course called the Young Achievers Australia program where we sort of pull people together to launch a business um, that it was probably the first time that I did that in a more structured way and that sort of led me into launching some very small 
uh, businesses while I was at university. But even in, in high school, I always did a couple of different things. But to be honest, it just took me a very long time to really sort of understand what it was and the opportunity that was there and that, you know, I could really sort of build a, a career out of that. Yeah. What about startups lured you in? Good question. I, I mean, I think it's a combination of things. So one is just the the, the people that it attracts. Uh, you know, I think you've got to be a certain type of crazy uh, to, you know, want to kind of give up the, the security of, of jobs and kind of really have big dreams and, and be willing to sort of give a lot of the, the safety net and, you know, sometimes even the, the cultural traditions that you might have uh, to, to kind of chase those dreams. So I think that's that's one. And being in this type of environment and surrounding yourself with other people that are similarly inclined and, you know, are really positive and optimistic and, you know, uh, really want to try and build the future. I think that's incredibly like an attractive quality and, and things that sort of make people want to want to sort of stick around the startup ecosystem. But I think also for me personally, like I just outside of sport, to be honest, I, I never really saw myself ever doing anything. And once that kind of ended, it wasn't until I, uh, you know, started my startup journey that it was the, the first thing that got me really, really excited. Uh, and yeah, it's just kind of that, that, you know, having those big dreams, having that ambition, uh, and then trying to make that a reality, uh, I thought was really cool. And like I said, after sport, it was probably the, the one thing that uh, got me really excited to get out of bed every morning. Yeah, that's amazing. What year was this when you first um, jumped in? Uh, I think it was probably around 2012. So I graduated uni at the end of 2011 and um, I moved to Sydney from Canberra. And I remember that I was uh, working at a, at a full-time job at an engineering company and, you know, very thankful for a great job that I had at that time. But I also knew that you know, it wasn't something that I kind of envisioned myself doing for the rest of my life and uh, started going to a lot of different startup events. And yeah, I, I think that kind of really, really hooked me in. But that was probably back in, in 2012, so 10 years ago now. Yeah. What were some of those events? And when you first started, what other support structures or infrastructure did you rely on to get started? Uh, good question. So, I mean, in terms of events, the, the two main ones, I think were the Silicon Beach drinks that used to take place close to Town Hall Station in Sydney. And uh, yeah, even just going there and sort of meeting this small group. And I think it wasn't probably more than 15 to 20 people at any one event, but just meeting this kind of small group of people that were, you know, really excited and, uh, you know, working on something really cool and, and outside of uh, traditional work was was really exciting. But in terms of other events, you know, I, I think the big thing for me was probably getting involved with Startup Weekend in Sydney for the first time. And I remember reading it in, uh, reading something about a, a place called Fishburners in the newspaper and I thought that was really strange and uh, that they were running this competition called Startup Weekend where you could essentially launch a business from scratch and try and form a team and all of those sort of things. So I signed up me and um, a friend of mine uh, to the event and, you know, Thankfully, we were part of a team that ended up doing quite well. We ended up winning the competition. And then uh, I think ever since then, I got really hooked and I did, ended up doing a couple of Startup Weekend competitions off the back of that. Uh, actually, my startup came off the back of a Startup Weekend competition that I flew down to Melbourne for. Uh, definitely owe a lot to Startup Weekends for uh, for the role that it played in my own journey. But yeah, back then, there, there wasn't the quantity, the volume, the communities that are sort of 
active and, and available now. So I think a large part of that was just trying to find the early people that had, you know, really jumped in even the years before me and, and trying to sort of learn and absorb from from others as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, reflecting back on the last 10 years that you've been in the ecosystem, and you mentioned at the very beginning that you're really plugged in, how has the ecosystem grown? Has it been what you expected it to be for better or, or worse? Uh, good question. I mean, in terms of how it's grown, uh, you know, I, I think it's been absolutely incredible to see almost how quickly it's grown and how quickly it's transformed, especially over the last few years of, of the decade as well. And, you know, I think a large part of that is just the compounding nature of all of this. You know, I think that we're, we've, I remember on the podcast speaking about this five years ago when we were starting to see uh, a lot of great talent f- uh, from Australia who were based in SF that were starting to move back. Um, there were a lot more sort of uh, mentors that were coming into the space. And I think over over time, uh, that's only sort of exponentially grown, which is which has been great. And I think, you know, part of this has just been the kind of cyclical nature of this. Like, I don't think that it's uh, any one thing that has changed the ecosystem, but I think that things like the success of Canva and the success of, uh, you know, a lot of the funds that got in early and, and backed Canva uh, has really helped uh, supercharge the the growth of the ecosystem. So I, I don't know if there's anything that's been sort of surprising aside from, you know, just seeing it play out and especially over the last few years, just seeing how quickly things have grown and how um, much great talent is starting to enter the space, both from the founding side, but also from people that are, you know, joining great companies as well. When you mentioned or, or described the ecosystem as cyclical, it's really intriguing. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, actually, cyclical probably isn't the right word for it. Uh, but what I what I meant by that was, um, you know, I think it is it is a process that you have to go through. And I, I remember some of the early conversations on the podcast, you know, talking to a lot of great operators that were coming back to Australia from SF uh, or people that had spent, you know, been in the ecosystem for, for much longer than I had. And, uh, you know, talking to them about, a lot of these things that we want to see, like more capital in the space, more great companies spinning out, um, more people being attracted to work within the startup ecosystem, whether there was that was something that just took time and um, you had to let it play out or whether that you know there are particular things that you can do to supercharge it. And I think that there are, but you know I also believe that part of it is is a process hmm. and yeah, I guess from my perspective, just seeing that play out from my own experience over the last 10 years has just been incredible to see. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, these sort of things or factors that supercharge the ecosystem, and, and you mentioned a few there, which was like um, capital, um, attracting talent and so on, they are things that follow a process. And so it's more of a natural serendipitous process is that what you mean like it just occurs naturally without anyone trying to force it to happen i mean i I think that there are definitely things that can help that process so you know i think that there are things that uh the queensland government has done for example in trying to attract more talent into the ecosystem launch vic has run sort of several several programs to uh you know help launch more angel networks, for example, um, in, in Victoria, especially over the last few years. And so like, I, I think that there are things that can help 
particular areas. And I think that a lot of people have spent a lot of time in building programs and, and building the support and inf infrastructure around that, which, uh, you know, I think off the back of that, a lot of people benefit. But I think that there are things that you can do to help spur some of those things. But I think that, you know, from my perspective anyways, like I think it is just a process. Mm. And I, I think it's been really exciting to see, but I think that you also need to kind of let that process play out to a degree. Yeah, that's fair enough. What inspired you to start your own podcast, uh, The Startup Playbook? Uh, yeah, good question. So, you know, six years ago, uh, and it seems a little bit strange now because now it seems everyone's got a podcast. But six, uh, six years ago, off the back of my first startup, you know, I had a lot of founders that were reaching out to me for help and support and guidance. And, you know, obviously I had my own experience uh, within um, my kind of window with, with Stage Label. But I knew that there were so many other people that I had benefited from and so many other people that were so much more knowledgeable about different areas of business and growth that these founders should be learning from. And so the podcast was uh, started initially with my thinking being that, um, you know, it would just be a directory where I would record conversations with great founders and operators and that whenever I met with a founder, you know, they would just, uh, I could just point them to a particular episode or a particular recording that they would sort of go and find and, and listen. So th the thinking definitely wasn't, uh, you know, back then, um, you know, I want to build this big community and this big sort of content resource that will sort of lead to a, a ton of opportunities or will kind of turn into a business or anything like that. It was very much from a perspective of um, just trying to solve a problem and something that I wish that uh, that it existed. And also at, at that time at that time as well, definitely it felt to me that there was definitely an inflection point where there was a lot more interest in the startup space and there were a lot of people that were jumping in, trying to mentor and advise companies uh, that had never run businesses before. And, you know, the podcast very much kind of started and, um, you know, that's one thing that I've tried to stay very true to over the last few, last six years of the show is learning from people that have been there and done it, knowing that, you know, not everything will be applicable to every founder. Obviously, every industry and every business is different, but at least you're hearing from someone that's been there and done it and, you know, hopefully taking in some of the lessons uh, from some of their own journey that founders can go and apply to their own business. Yeah, sounds like any other startup trying to look for problems and pretty much solving the the need that's there. Um, I'd love to change gears a little bit, Rohan, and talk about the ecosystem as it is today. Um, I'd love to get your perspective. Do you think that we as an ecosystem, like what about what are our strengths and weaknesses? Good question. What are our strengths and weaknesses? I think one thing that is a strength that has been born a little bit out of the the environment that we had operated in for for a very long time without intention is is just the quality of founders that we produce that can do a lot with very little. So, you know, I think that having less access to capital, although it, you know, puts limitations on, on a lot of founders. I think that what we've seen over the last couple of years um, in terms of the incredible businesses that have been built out um, with super resilient founders that have been able to, you know, execute with uh, with very little behind them has, you know, shaped, uh, shaped an ecosystem and, and shaped a community where we've got some, you know, some of the world's best operators that have sort of launched and, and founded and, and grown their companies out of Australia. In terms of the weaknesses, I mean, it, it's probably not anything new, but 
uh, and, you know, things are slowly starting to change. But, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that has always been held against founders in Australia is just the, you know, do we think big enough from both the ideas that we're going after, from the way that we sort of think about competition, from the types of businesses that we build, but even from a like venture capital perspective, um, you know, do we think big enough um, is our ambition on a, on a global level or is it more from a perspective of trying to win within an Australian market, just knowing how isolated we are and knowing that that's kind of the, the more, most obvious thing that's ahead of us. But like I said, you know, I think what one of the things that's been most exciting about the ecosystem is just seeing um, that, you know, I mean, Nikki and Nikki and the, the team at Blackbird talk about this and I had Nikki on the podcast recently, but just talking about, um, you know, how like it's been incredibly exciting to see how the level of ambition from Australian founders has kind of changed and evolved and grown uh, over the last few years. So this next question is is the advice question. If if a brand new entrepreneur or founder came to you, you know, given all your mistakes, your wins, and and your experience, what's one piece of advice you'd give them to increase their chances of success? Uh, well, there's definitely a lot of mistakes <laughs> that I would that I would try and guard <laughs> them away from. Uh, but you know, just going back to the the previous question in terms of ha- having the the ambition around it is. You know, I, I think that it's really, really difficult to build a truly global and successful company without sort of thinking about it from from a perspective of, like I said, that the chances are that there are two or three other people around the world that are building or working on something very similar. And so the, the advice that I would have would be, you know, really hone in on what is it that you're trying to build and what is the biggest impact and always think bigger than what you think is is possible. And for me, a big part of that is by just surrounding yourself with the right people or, or learning from people. You know, I think that there are so many podcasts where you can uh, hear from and learn from other people that even if you don't have access to those people in terms of kind of catching up for a coffee or those sorts of things, you can supercharge a lot of your learning and get, you know, quote unquote mentorship from just listening to some of the best people on different podcasts or different sort of content streams. But, you know, I would say just really try and surround yourself with with the right people. And I think that there's um, so much that can be gained and learned from um, advice from people that have been there and done it. So even if there are, you know, not in the same industry or not in the same vertical, um, you know, the chances, like a lot of the, the challenges that companies that scale uh, experience are very similar across the board. And um, someone who's at least been there and done it can, you know, help you look around the corner around things or, or help you bypass some of those things or, or help you work around things before you even get there. And I think that's incredibly helpful. Yeah. I know we've mentioned um, a few throughout the episode, um, but who are who are some of those, uh, I guess, mentors or people that you look up to within our ecosystem? I mean, there's 160 of them on, on the Startup Labor <laughs> podcast. Um, to, like talking about mentorship in general, I think there is so much that you can learn from so many people, but true mentorship really comes from the connection that you have with that particular individual. And so, um, you know, th- there have been incredibly uh, important people in my journey that at various times and various stages, depending on things that I've been working on that, um, that have helped me. So, 
uh, people like Mike Casey, who was running Grad Connection at the first time when I talk about Startup Weekend, you know, he was one of the people that really le- leaned in. Phil Bossua, who was um, one of the co-founders and CEO of LifeX, um, was one of the mentors and advisors at Startup Weekend when I launched Stage Label and, um, you know, just gave me in- incredible advice and, and time and, and resources, um, you know, at the very start of my journey. Uh, you know, most recently, uh, people like Rachel Newman from Flying Fox uh, Ventures, you know, really helped open up a lot of opportunities for me and and has just been incredibly helpful, plus so many other people that have uh, that have made time. But, you know, I think with any of those people, I haven't ever had to formally ask them to be a mentor. They've just been people that, for whatever reason, we've, you know, connected at, at the right time. And, you know, a lot of that has been a, a um, you know, hopefully a, a two-way relationship to, to some extent, but obviously knowing that, you know, there's a lot, there, there are these people that have incredibly busy lives, but uh, for whatever reason, we're, we're willing to sort of make time around that. And again, like, I think that's where uh, I know there's a ton of mentorship programs that have, you know, really great intent with what they're trying to create. But I think that those things are just very, very difficult to manufacture. And so, um, you can try and do that, like incredibly useful in terms of doing that, but like it's such a personal relationship that, you know, I think you just have to find people that, that you sort of connect with and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, it just kind of organically happens off the back of that. But if you can find people that, that can help you, it, it'll help you so much on, on your journey. Yeah. I like the words that you use to describe it. Yeah, it's like an organic thing um, rather than being manufactured. So this last question, Rohit, is, um, as you know, We're trying to document as historically and accurately as possible the history of our ecosystem, just so that we can look to the future. And we're aiming to reach all corners from founders, academics, investors, and policymakers. Is there anything that we haven't discussed today that is always top of mind for you that you'd want them to hear? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of the things that that we've sort of touched on at various points of this this interview has been just the access to, to capital. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the biggest sort of limitations and barriers has been the wholesale investor, you know, requirements that are, that are in place for people to be able to invest in, invest through funds or uh, even invest through syndicates and, and those sorts of things. I think that um, it does play an important role in terms of having criteria to prevent people that aren't in startups and aren't in technology that don't have access to deal flow and can't compare deals for them to actually protect themselves <laughs> and um, and all those sort of things. But I think at the same time, there are so many people that don't quite meet the requirements that do have expertise in this area and would actually be incredible investors and have an incredible opportunity to you know, both support companies but also impact their, their own lives in a financial way outcome that the current way that those uh, wholesale investor tests are are currently done or measured don't quite meet and so I think if there's one thing that we're not like there's there's a lot that we can work on there's a lot that we can get right uh, as an ecosystem but I think one thing that would be really helpful is reshaping what the wholesale investor requirements and tests look like to be less based on you know do you earn more than 250k over a two-year period or have more than i think it's two or 2.5 million dollars in assets to actually being more skill and expertise based uh, and knowledge around this area but 
you know, there are people much smarter and, and much closer to that than me um, that are probably working on that. But, you know, that's that's one thing that I think would, would really help in opening up more opportunities for people both on the startup side in terms of them being able to go back to building great companies rather than spending all of their time raising capital and also you know open up a lot of opportunities for, for people as well that are part of the space and and want to actively invest uh, but currently uh, aren't able to do so in, in the way that they would like yeah it's been so good having you on the show thank you so much for your time Rohit my pleasure thanks so much for having me I hope you enjoyed that interview. More interviews are on the way. Follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. Stay tuned for more interviews with many, many more amazing people from the Australian startup ecosystem. Thanks for listening and see you next time.